welcome to Ladies Get Action, the podcast where two best friends talk about getting action movies. This week we watched Nobody. Yes, Nobody, um, which is a brand new action movie starring Bob Odenkirk. Initial thoughts. What was your first, you know, the first thing that comes to mind? Did you like it? Did you hate it? I really wanted to like it. I kind of just wanted to watch John Wick again. Oh, I liked it. I really liked it. Really? Yeah, I loved it. Huh. I There were a lot of loose ends that I thought could have been tighter. Mm. Um, there were parts I really, really liked. But there were also parts where I thought it was just a little bit confusing. Oh, I thought it was perfect. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I thought, I mean, maybe not perfect, but I thought it was fantastic. I thought you know, it is very much a John Wick film, but updated, but, but, you know, a little bit more empathic, but a little bit more character development, plus the family stuff. So I really thought I had a lot of fun with it. I have some notes on the family stuff, so I'm, we'll see if I can get you to my side. <laughs> or vice versa. We'll get into it. Right. Um, before we do, how has your week been? My week has been great. It's been really busy. Um, I, I, James was joking that this week it was like the week when I decided that I was going to go out into the world and do a bunch of different things from like different genres on Monday. So one thing about me that you know is my favorite band is Delta Ray. And one of the singers is having a monthly residency at a venue in here in New York. So I went out to see them perform and another one of the singers from the band came and performed with them and it was just so great. And it was at um, Rockwood Music Hall, which is my favorite venue downtown. So that was super fun. And then I went axe throwing and then I went to the <laughs> opera. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's just very random things. So and that has coincided with a nice healthy dose of work. Yeah. And auditions. <laughs> It's like when it rains, it pours. So on Friday, I was prepping for that night for axe throwing um, for a surprise birthday party. I was also trying to get two auditions in. I was also writing emails. So it, it's it's been busy, but otherwise good. How's your week? It's been good. Um, I didn't get to throw any axes, so that sounds really, really fun. And the video of Ren, uh, James sent in our group chat is really impressive. It's her like, Throwing an axe overhead, but getting it like right into the bullseye first try. That was my very first attempt since I was like 17. And one of my friend's younger brothers had set up a knife throwing target in the backyard. Huh. Actually, throwing knives is very, very difficult. That sounds very dangerous. Yeah. Well, the axe throwing place had a bar, so. <laughs> well, but they have like all kinds of, did you have to just like sign a waiver or like safety precautions? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was, I was like, oh my God, this is like my secret skill. Who knew yeah. that axe throwing would be like the thing that I should have been doing all along? Oh, that's what I felt when I first shot guns. Because I was, I'm really good at it. Oh. I'm a very good, like, precise shot. Hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is my secret skill. I should have been shooting handguns my whole life. Yeah, well, I'm going to I'm gonna stick with my axes. <laughs> you hear that, Marvel? <laughs> Maybe like Thor needs a sister. Another yeah. sister. Or like... Yeah, I an axe that. wielding superhero. <laughs> um, but yeah, my week was pretty good. I had a lot of work this week, and um, I helped you with your auditions, which was very fun. And I saw a fun movie with friends. And I even watched sports, which is mm -hmm. not regular for me. <laughs> Rebecca discovered sports ball. Yeah, exactly. It was basketball, and it was like a really big game. And I enjoyed it. I actually like got into it because it was so close, and it was like the final. 
we I guess we watched it from like the I don't know middle of the first half. And the whole time I was asking my friend Lindsay, I'm like, there are four of them, right? There are four halves. She's like, no, there's just two. But like I gave everyone nicknames. That was fun. Like one one guy hurt his knee and he got subbed out with this other guy who was just wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> he wasn't even wearing his court league. Like, like oh, I think a... he was wearing a t-shirt underneath his jersey. And so I just called him t-shirt. <laughs> he didn't do a good job. But then he did a great job doing the free throws. I think that's what that's called. And they got the other team got a penalty. He did a great job. So we were cheering, yeah, t-shirt, go get him t-shirt. <laughs> I'm just nodding my head sagely like I understand basketball. You know what a t-shirt is. That's like I do, know the but story. Like, I don't know if free throw is particularly, I mean, like a free kick. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I think it's, well, no, I don't know enough about football. I'll tell you if it's <laughs> okay. like a field goal, but. Make it up. Um, It's it's that. It's, it's a field goal. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I think that is right. So good job. I think it is right. <laughs> But like some of the time they didn't get those those throws and there was a penalty and like all the boys line up on either side and then one boy throws the ball with the hoop. And some of the times they didn't get it and it seemed very high stakes, but they only got one point per ball in the hoop. So but it was neck and neck, and so it was really exciting. <laughs> but yeah, in any case, I got to spend some time today working on the podcast and then watching this movie, which I loved. I thought it was so fun. Yeah, just like a, an updated take on John Wick overall. I really wanted it to be, but there were certain aspects that I felt, again, weren't clear for me, whereas John Wick was so tight. And it makes sense. This is from, I think this is from the writer of John Wick. Uh, no, sorry. It's it's definitely from one of the people on the team of Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. But I just, I wanted more. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about at all. Because mm, okay. for me, this was super tight. It integrated the family in two important ways, because you have... Um, and I'm just going to call him Bob Odenkirk, but you have Bob's dad and buddy from the radio on his team. And then you also have his, his family at home. And I loved that his wife like knew what was going on and was cool with it the whole time. I was just like, yeah, like this is what we do. Does it have a basement? And I thought that was fantastic. See, I thought that didn't make sense because she was surprised when he was like, everybody to the basement. Well, she was alarmed. I think everybody to the basement. But when he came back with cuts in his face... She said, um, just like the old times. Right. I didn't feel like that was clear. So she was cleaning him up and she wasn't upset at all. I don't. I, I feel like, and I feel like that was kind of a wasted, I would have loved, I was really hoping that she would come in at the end with like guns blazing and like. Yeah. I like the way it worked. Well, I didn't. So <laughs> anyway, so it starts off with a very, very cute kitten. And I got very scared because I could already, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, is this going to be like literally a John Wick movie where. I get to touch this kitten and it's, I'm afraid for it, <laughs> but it was obviously not. It was like the, the ending starting at the beginning. And then we go back to the beginning, but I did love the opening sequence where it was showing the monotony of his days where it's. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. So yeah the, the movie opens in media res. So we're starting near the end um, and then going back to the beginning. And there's this fantastic sequence that shows his week. It shows his week and it shows um, not only the monotony and the, the sameness of his week, but also these like tiny chipping away at his, um, not his masculinity, but at his soul. like confidence. Yeah. And, and soul and character and like tolerance for that life. And you can see he loves his family. He's very sweet to his little girl. He is hopeful that his wife will pay attention to him and she's not, um, you know, he's kind to his son, but it's like his, his life, the monotony of it, and also these little injustices that just kind of kick at him, really chipping away at who he is. 
Yeah, I liked that section. And to be clear, I liked this. It, it just lost me in the middle. That kid, his teenage son, was so irritating at the beginning. He's a little jerk. He's such a little jerk. Yeah. I was so mad, mad at him. Yeah. We'll talk about the, the home invasion scene for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, but it was a great way to give us exposition of, you know, he yeah. commutes, he works in a, in a company owned by his father-in-law and his brother-in-law. Yeah. I really liked the commentary that this movie had. Again, this is a little bit later, but I will say about um, basically like masculinity or toxic masculinity. Oh my God. Yeah. That's another reason why I love this movie is I think it, it has, it's a great criticism of toxic masculinity and what, what like an earned sort of masculine response might be Mm -hmm. um, in a way that isn't immediately toxic or or nasty or, um, or cruel, but is an earned, you know, ethical response to something. Um, I think it does that really nicely, but I mean, basically the film really quickly gets you into, this is the story, you know, he's living this life. He's like you said, he's commuting every day. Um, he's working with his father-in-law and his brother-in-law who's an asshole. Yeah. And he's miserable. He's, and he and his wife sleep with a giant pillow between them. I thought that was perfect. Like perfect symbolism. Mm -hmm. There's a wall between them. And, um, and he makes the coffee, but his wife takes the coffee and he takes the trash out, but he's never there on time. So he's always running out there and no one gets the trash. And she's always reminding him kind of like, Oh, you missed the trash again. Yeah. Like very condescendingly. Everything is chipping away at him, these little injustices. And uh, and then it all culminates in this one night where he's just in the middle of this routine again and again and again and again, where he wakes up in the middle of the night and I think just I think just like by by rote checks on his kids, you know, sort of make sure they're both okay. And he sees in his son's eyes that not, that he's not okay, that something is wrong. And so he goes downstairs and sees two people um, doing a home invasion robbery and basically confronts them right away. And it seems like at first glance, he's scared or, or not taking charge in that moment. But his son leaps downstairs, tackles the guy because it's a, a woman, a man and a man. Um, Bob agrees to give them his watch, but not his wedding ring. Very sweet. Very sweet. And the cash in the bowl, you know, like $10 or something. And his son is tackling and strangling one of the guys. He gets the jump on the female burglar and then decides not to hit her. Well, he's got his golf club in his hand and it's like, yeah, it's raised. Yeah. And you can see the calculation in his head of like, is this the right thing to do? And he tells his son to let go. Right. Um, And his son gets punched in the face. And the two leave, the two burglars leave. And it's such a great scene because we don't know then what we know later, which is that he's making a very specific calculation to let them go, mm-hmm. um, knowing that it's not dangerous. And that even in that moment, knowing not knowing what we know later about the gun not being loaded, it seems like a very brave move to save his son. Right. And that's what, well, I was so, I was so surprised about the immediate reaction from his family afterwards because it was like, this is not a man who is scared or like cowering. Right. He's making a decision based on some probably like based on information we don't have. Right. Well, yeah, but it, but it's actually information that makes sense to me in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Well, I thought that was adult of mm-hmm. him and the opposite of what we see in these movies usually. And then you're right. The response 
somewhat from his family, which I thought was ew, yeah. uh, but but largely from other men in his life is incredibly emasculating. And they all treat him like you should be emasculated by this. Um, the neighbor next door says, oh, I wish it was me. And you let me in my muscle car and, you know, my big dick, like all this crap. I've sat in rooms with people who primarily where there are carry gun states where that is the response where it's like, well, I have a gun because like, I'd like to see those robbers coming yes. in, coming in, you know, try and. Well, if it happened us. to me, I would have killed them all. And, um, and Bob is very, very restrained in all these moments. And it looks like meekness from the outside. Uh, but he's being incredibly restrained, as we learn later. And, but every man around him is, like, making fun of him about it and bringing it up. And Was it his uh, father-in-law gives him a gun Well, by That's, pointing a gun at him? That was his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law like, points a gun in his face. Yeah. Which is incredibly unsafe. And then tries to give it to him. Everyone is making fun of him. Everyone is being awful about it. Even his son, which it was very annoying. Yeah. I mean, the son was just being a brat. Yeah. Like a real brat. Oh, and the cop too. The cop said something really emasculating. Oh, the cop. Yeah. He was so oh. smarmy. And this, this sort of, uh, I thought this was actually really brilliant. This, it's this ratcheting up of tension with Bob. You know, we have the mundane week, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks that are chipping away at him. We have this home invasion where he acts with restraint, but then gets mocked mercilessly by every man in his life who he encounters. And then the emasculation continues, you know, his son's like, oh, I have to write a report on a veteran. Dad, will you do it? And and he goes, well, I was an auditor. And, you know, that's not, I'm not in the action at all. It's pretty boring. And, and his mom goes, yeah, why don't you ask your uncle? He's like, oh, I already did. You know, like every, Charlie was a real soldier versus Bob, who was an auditor. Everyone is nasty and terrible to him. Yeah, Charlie, his brother-in-law says, it's not a matter of want. Yeah, this is when we're introduced to his friend on the radio. I didn't, I wasn't sure if the friend was real or not. You thought it was like in his mind? Yeah. Because, I mean, he pulls down a flask, he pulls out a flask and like opens up the radio and turns it on. And I thought this could very easily not be real. Hmm. I saw it as like the the opening up of his secret life. Hmm. It just wasn't clear to me that he was like tuning into, you know. And a friend who was there. And because I hadn't hadn't really heard about him Mm -hmm. or seen him, I thought it could be very well be imaginary. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. We have the guy on the radio talking to him and saying, oh, yeah, even I've heard about this home evasion. And that's when Bob reveals that he knew that the gun wasn't loaded. Yeah, and he knew that they were young. Yes, and and he figured out they were desperate and scared and young. And he decided very actively to let them go. Because all they took was, you know, a couple bucks and a cheap watch. That's when I also realized, like, oh, okay, this guy is a dangerous man living a, a very modest life right now. I didn't get the danger so much, but I did know that, like, he knows so much and he was maybe more than he said he was. But mostly I just got that it was really sad that nobody in his life was actually seeing him or, like, celebrating him. Well, yeah, I think apart from his wife, I got the impression that he was strong enough that he didn't need all these other men to go, like, oh, so manly, so good. You know, that he was okay with these, not okay with, but was tolerating all these injustices and all these digs at his manliness because he knows the truth, but he wants his wife's respect. He wants his kids' respect, uh, but not at the expense of making a good decision. But what changes it is his daughter mm-hmm. saying- Quite possibly one of the cutest children I've seen A on very screen. cute little girl who he loves dearly, who like cuddles with him on the couch, you know, 
And she asks, you know, where's my kitty cat bracelet? And he realizes, oh, no, it was in the, the bowl of money. The burglars probably have the kitty cat bracelet. And that's when he decides to go get revenge. Well, and then we're coming up on, and again, I, I enjoyed it, several parts of this movie. So if it sounds like I'm, I, I don't want it to be like, I was like, oh, I didn't like this movie. Looking at it as a whole, I had issues with it, but there were several moments where I really enjoyed. And now we're coming up on one of those scenes where I was like, oh, this is going to get good. This is where we sort of switch into a different gear. He goes to see his dad, the retirement home. And, uh, and it's clear because he says something to dad. This is another thing overall in this film. I love that everyone knows about it. He's not keeping a secret from anyone but his kids. His wife knows who he is. His dad knows who he is. His best buddy through the radio knows who he is. Like it's not a, a secret identity that he's hiding or trying to conceal from people. It's just who he is. So he sees his dad. He says, oh, I have something to take care of. He gets all of his, you know, hitman or whatever, all of his like guns and his badge and all that stuff from dad's house. And, um... He goes to hunt down these two, like, low-level criminals. Yeah, I didn't quite get... I So I thought... I understood that his dad was an FBI agent because um, the ID said, like, a different name, but it was still his last name. Again, I wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure with the wife exactly how far she was in on it or not. Well, I wasn't on it when she... Cleans them up in that scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's when that's when it's revealed to us that she knows what's going on. Right. I just wanted more information. I mean, we'll get there, but I just wanted more details, I guess, about like. Did you just when... want to be spelled out more? Maybe? Yeah. I did love when he goes to all the tattoo parlors. Yes, shops. that's the next scene. That's my possibly quite possibly my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. So we see him start going around looking for these two criminals because he clocked the tattoo mm-hmm. on her wrist. And uh, so he's going to different tattoo parlors all around town. He's using his Metro card in the bus, um, searching around. No one's giving him the time of day. Um, and then he finds this one tattoo shop across the street from like a homeless encampment. Yeah. And then he shows, he shows the uh, FBI badge and they basically go, haha, try again. <laughs> right. Like we know that's not legit. Yeah. That's way too old. For, like that's that badge has been updated for years and it's an older man too it's an older veteran mm-hmm. who notices it but that and like all this the men the I love I all love. the men in the tattoo shop pull their guns on him they're gonna like you know they're gonna go after him they're gonna beat him up it's very intimidating and this is the first the first moment where we see what he's capable of and it's not even what we that we see it it's the threat of what he's capable of which I loved. I loved that. Yeah. It's really effective because all of a sudden the guy in the chair, the older veteran catches the littlest glimpse of a tattoo on his wrist of two cards. And, and he bolts out of the room basically is like, thank you for your service. See you. And then he leaves the room runs and locks <laughs> like a thousand locks on the outside of the door. Yes. Terrified. Just, it was great. It, it was, was effective. It was effective, it was so effective and funny and yeah. I just loved it. And quick. Like that's it that's what I mean about such good screenwriting in this film. It's so effective. It tells us everything we need to know without having to explain what the tattoo is or what he did in the military or why this guy would know or you know, it just skips all that and goes to, oh, this is a man to be feared right now. And everyone listens to him. Yeah. It's effective. He does find the two burglars and he breaks into their house and they're making ramen noodles and you can see it like again like in a very very short moment we get character development for these two like they're in a relationship and and the guy is being really sweet to this woman even though they're eating shitty ramen he's saying it smells really good and 
just being kind to her. And then he's there all of a sudden. And again, we see him make the same decision that he made in the house, which is that, I mean, he gets his watch back. Mm -hmm. You know, he does pull out a gun and threaten them. And then he hears a baby crying. And And we see the babies on oxygen. And so these people desperately needed the money. Yeah. And you can see him just make the mental calculations again and go, nope. Yeah. And he just leaves. He sees the baby on oxygen. And they're witnesses now to him, of course. But they're unlikely to, to say anything or do anything. So he decides to leave and just let them go. And then he ends up like hitting a brick wall behind the their apartment. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah. That might be the only part of the movie that I was like, I didn't like. Just that one little scene lit. Why not? I think it's cliche to like hit a wall and like for men to like hit a wall when they're angry. Yeah, I don't think he needed to do that. I think what happens next makes perfect sense and is fantastic. I think they could have just cut that little moment out. You could have I saved that. that rage for the bus. You right. know? Now we get to the great big bus scene, which I thought was another fantastic sequence that, um, what do you think of the violence in this scene? Because it really ratcheted up. Yeah. So I wrote that down where, um, what I was really interesting about this movie for me was something we've talked about in John Wick, but the idea of justified violence where it was, there was a lot of violence in this movie, but especially in the bus scene, I just felt like I kept on being egged on, not egged on, but like saying, yes, he should do that. He should do that. This is like, okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, he basically sends four men to the hospital. (laughs) Well, you know? Yeah. But for justified reasons. Right. Right. I was struck by the violence in the scene. Oh, one thing I noted um, that we haven't seen before in this scene, at the very least, people scream when they get stabbed and that doesn't happen in any of these movies. Yeah, you're right. They were screaming when they got like hit in the face of the, the pole in the bus or, or, you know, like, all of the horrible things that happened to their bodies, they were screaming. And there was actual evidence that it had happened too. Yeah. Like there was a lot of blood. Yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, it was amazing. So basically what happens is uh, he's on the bus after uh, deciding to not hurt the people who had robbed his home, which is again, like a really great move and shows that he's not like a toxic asshole. Like he doesn't, he doesn't need to hurt those people to make himself feel like more of a man because he didn't do it in the moment when they were invading his home. It's just yeah. like a really great like note to end that on. And basically he's just like snapping because it's like the final straw when he can't find his daughter's kitty cat bracelet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's important to her. Right. And if he can go get it back, he will. I don't even think that was a real snap. I think it was like. Right, right. It's like when all the countless times that I left my rain boots at home and my dad had delivered them to the elementary school. <laughs> I needed them, so he brought them. Oh, that's actually very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, exactly. What happens now, though, is he's on the bus and we see this car uh, crash, basically, right next to the bus. You know, five guys come out, bottles of, of wine, I guess, which is funny, in their hands, like, so drunk, rowdy, dangerous, and they get onto the bus. And immediately, it's an incredibly dangerous moment. Well, and I also love how he's not saying, oh, my God, don't get on this bus. He's saying, do it. Get on the bus. Yeah. And one of the things I thought was also really interesting about the movie was that it kind of goes around the idea of uh, the monster inside of you, mm. of like keeping the monster locked up. Yeah. Where, I mean, for both John Wick and for Bob, it's, you know, they do have this monster and Bob has been very careful about controlling it. And now he really needs to just unleash it. This is the moment where, where the darker part of himself 
um, is going to save people's lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, we see these guys are dangerous. You know, they intimidate a bigger guy getting off the bus. Um, and then Bob makes a calculation, goes to the front, gets the bus driver off. The, takes away her phone. Yeah, takes away her phone. The girl is still surrounded by them. So she's in immediate danger. Yeah. And then he takes the bullets out of his gun. Well, he makes a very big show of like, like I'm dropping. Like I have a gun and I'm going to take the bullets out, which is so badass. Well, that really should have been the sign. Like, if I'm on a bus and somebody does that, I think I'd be like, oh, my God, I need to leave now. Like, But these bad guys are like, oh, look at this dummy. Right, right. <laughs> look at this square. There's four of us to one. What a dork. Yeah. So he takes all the bullets out of his gun and he says, I'm going to fuck you up. Um, I'm going to send you to the, like, I hope you like a hospital food because you're going to be eating it. And, uh, and then he proceeds to, like, beat up these four or five men to a bloody pulp and they get on, they get on him too. He gets stabbed really bad. He gets beaten up really bad too. He gets thrown out the window of the bus and you think the fight's ending because everyone's, you know, the, the four bad guys in the bus are like collapsed and like their own pools of blood, you know, but alive. No, he gets back on and he continues to beat the shit out of them. It did feel like a real fight. It was visceral. The, but... the move with the book bag was particularly yes. like, oof. <laughs> Um, I wrote a note for myself, you know, do we think he picked that fight? Absolutely. He's, I mean, he's saying when he's, he's basically like, I get on the bus, get on the bus so that I can fuck you up. So that I he's can hoping. Fight. Yeah. He's hoping for it. I right. feel like just like there's a parallel moment um, near the end of the film after he gives the, the Russian bad guy, I forget his name, a choice of whether to quit the game altogether or to fight him. And he sits in his car and he crosses his fingers and he like prays and he's praying for for more action. He's praying that this guy makes the bad choice, which he does. Yeah. And that's exactly what he, I mean, again, this guy is, is just tired of holding back and of, you know, doing the right thing. I guess the question is more, the better question is, is there a choice for him? Hmm. Can there be a choice if he knows that he can take on these men and he can win? I mean, do I think he maybe would have been happy to find himself in any situation where he could have released yes. some of the aggression and like in a just in as justified of a manner as that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's more my, my statement is that like he was happy to be in that situation. It wasn't like, right. That he got joy from this moment. Yes. Basically he comes back home bloodied and his wife is already awake. And I like this moment a lot too, but his wife, sees him all bloodied up and says, you know, what happened? He goes, yeah, you know, I like I had to do a thing. And then she cleans up his wounds and she helps him. And he has like a very vulnerable moment with her right, mm -hmm. right after she says that. And she also says, um, oh, just like old times. And so she, she knows all about this. He confronts with her that they haven't had sex in years. And he says, we haven't had sex in years. And we haven't made, no, we haven't had sex in months and we haven't made love in years. So that was very sad. And she just kind of acknowledges it. Um, but then when they get in bed, she takes down the wall of pillows between them, which is a good sign. Yeah. I guess I just had questions about like, she just lets him go and do his thing and there's never any consequences. Well, I think he doesn't do this very often. Yeah. I think this is what their life used to be because she says the old times. Right. But there were never any consequences for her then. And maybe this is just me personally, and maybe I've watched too many movies where I'm like so keyed in to where if James came home with like stab wounds, I'd be like, oh my God, who did you make angry? Are we going to have to move? Are we going to have to go into hiding? Like, right. I just. No, that's a, that's a regular reaction. I mean, yeah. Right, right. And I guess 
it's it's now that they have kids would she be like okay well the old times were great but we have these children now and if people come after us our game plan of like Mm. you shooting while I hole up here might not work out as well yeah you're right like there could have been a moment of fear for her there wasn't I just would have liked to have seen her have slightly more to do and again there was there was no I mean I know I said this already but there was no discussion between them of what this means for their family and it's not even it doesn't even seem like to be a discussion for him of of what it means other than like men are going to come after it well I don't think he means that to be like a regular occurrence I think this was I think all of this was an extreme moment in time where he was protecting his family in that moment the wife was upset the wife the wife was afraid when they got into the basement she wasn't like cool this is what we do you know so I feel like in this crisis moment, it all makes sense because this isn't meant to be like a regular occurrence. Yeah. I just, I mean, it, well, if it isn't a regular occurrence, when she's cleaning his wounds, I just would have liked to have seen a little bit more like, okay, well, what does this mean? Yeah, I understand you know? that. I so. think that's a fair point. This is where we get introduced to Yulian, the Russian mob guy. Did you write Big Baddie too? <laughs> I wrote that Yulian was the big, big baddie. Fair enough. Yes. Um, we get introduced to him like, singing and dancing and being this like guy around town doing coke like just like life of the party um but then we see like he's involved with the russian mob and uh and then we see him like smash a glass into this guy's face i could not watch that part i i closed my eyes really yeah it was just when he shoved the cut glass into somebody's eye i was like i, I can't <laughs> I, well I, again i thought that was what a, what a great creative moment too but it, it shows exactly who he is that he's like completely brutal yeah and a little unhinged and yeah especially because he comes off as so gentle and, and like genial when you first see him and even his uh his mobster guys are like oh you know your guy you're like singing you're doing this we need you to be in charge of this money and that's when he like shoves the glass into some guy's eye well and then he goes to the hospital and he has this big kind of moment with his brother only for several people to be like, you didn't like your brother, <laughs> which I appreciated. That was great. Yeah. This is where I was really thinking about like the structure of this movie. And it is very John Wickian. Instead of finding himself at the wrong place, at the wrong time, something happens to him. You know, this home invasion happens to him. And even though he decisively chooses to not attack those robbers, this like violent beast is wakened inside of him. And then he chooses in some ways, in other ways it's circumstantial, but chooses to go down this path that leads to a lot more violence, but also like self-affirmation. Yeah, it's definitely creative. And I was comparing it with, with John Wick also. And I feel like I thought John Wick was more powerful for me to have it be totally like for the circumstances instead of this unleashing of the beast basically but isn't john wick the same yeah yeah well i guess or like having something happen i guess they both have something happen to them Mm -hmm. but structurally for me i felt john wick just continued to build and build whereas this by the time we hit the scene it it kind of felt like we had little moments of going up and then going down and then going up again oh i didn't i didn't think so i felt like this was like a very clear escalation of stakes Mm. because now all of a sudden it's not just the bus guys it's all of the russian mob Mm mm-hmm and so now he's not only, you know, he had this moment that was active for him. He chooses to take out his revenge on the bus guys, but now it's triggered a much bigger issue for him, which is the Russian mob who like owns those bus guys is now going to come after him. Um, but yeah, we find out about the ob shack, which is like the money that the Russian mob holds on to. And another great moment, the black, the, the woman who was doing the blackmailing sees his file, 
tosses it on the ground and says, don't pay me, I'm out, and, like, runs away. Yeah. So yeah. it's a, yet another instance of people finding out who he is, who know who he is, seeing how dangerous he is, and running, just like the veteran. Right. And I think that's, I mean, those moments of the reactions are really what tell you who he is. Oh, yeah. And then it it pays off when you see him in action, too, because he does, he is that violent. He is that brutal. Brutal and skilled at this. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more Nobody. And we're back. So to return to where the energy dip, and maybe this is just me, I might have felt like the transition of introducing, because again, I mean, yeah, structurally it is very much like John Wick where it's like, oh, these guys are actually attached to these guys. But I have to wonder if he, I'm just going to be Carrie now, but I have to wonder. (laughs) I couldn't help but wonder if. (laughs) I couldn't help but wonder, but when it came to the Russian mob and working for the government, wouldn't, it just feels like he would know maybe that this group of men who are drinking and driving this very expensive car who might have tattoos that he would recognize Mm. if he has all this experience working in government. I just, I can't help but think that he's come up against types like this before. There's something about the introduction to the mob got a little bit um, clunky for me. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And that's a good point too. Um, That he might have recognized something with them. But I could also see an argument that's maybe like giving too much credit to the script, but I could see an argument where you, you would argue he's looking for a fight. Mm. and one just lands in his lap and it's a good one where he's saving people mm. and he's not looking for clues because he doesn't know there's a bigger issue right yeah and maybe he's been, I mean, he's been out of the game for how long yeah for probably 20 years or something right. and I'm not saying like he has to be able to clock every single tattoo and be like oh that's with that you know, yeah yeah <laughs> or he's like right back in his old like yeah I'm solo against the world instead of thinking okay I have a family who is now attached to me right that's when Everything kind of connects. We have Julian, all of his Russian mob guys. They've seen, you know, their their brothers over in the hospital. That was actually a very funny scene where he got the chair and he started beating, <laughs> yeah, beating that guy up in the hospital bed. Julian walks in and instead of being like, "Oh, are you okay?" He grabs the nearest chair and chucks it. Beats at him. The- well, he hits him a bunch of times. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what did you think of him as a villain? Effective. Very scary. I really liked that we saw him singing twice because we know that he has like an interest outside of violence. So you kind of go, okay, this guy's a little bit interesting, but he's also incredibly brutal and violent. So I I really liked him as a villain. Another great moment is uh, he says to his family, because now he has this like renewed energy, I'm going to make you guys lasagna. I'm going to make you my best lasagna. They're like, okay, great. So he makes lasagna and he sees out the window these cars pulling up and he knows immediately what it is. Yeah, I think I wanted more of that at a, maybe at a certain point earlier. I, I guess he's now very clued in with all of his like instincts. And yeah. They've all been reawakened. I did love that moment. And he just goes, get in the basement. Get in the basement. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? They all look scared. He shoves them in the basement, locks them in with some kind of like vault door and prepares. And then basically another incredibly brutal fight scene happens in the house. Yeah. Lots of creative ways to die. Incredibly creative. I mean, at one point, he smashes the railing of the stairs and <laughs> impales somebody with them. Yeah. Yeah, there's a very funny fake out later after the family gets out of the house where you think he's let them all live. Right, right. <laughs> it was hilarious. And you realize, no, no, they're all dead. Yeah, he's just sitting and talking to corpses. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, but basically, 
he he one by one and then he gets his family out puts them in a car and i was like whoa he's letting his family see all the murder because there was like i know well he covered the little girl's eyes yes he yeah so but his son saw it and then we get the backstory of how yeah. he's an auditor but in a different way than you think well and we get another story we get a story of uh, a man whose life he spared mm-hmm. right where it kind of starts and how so basically he goes to kill this man who had been dipping into funds and the man begs for his life and he goes to check up on him years later. And the man is like happily living with now a wife and stepkids and a new baby on the way. And he's happy. And Bob thinks, I really want that. That could be great for me. Well, he thinks like I did the right thing. Right. Um, He would have killed that guy, but he could tell in his voice. He talks about this one where he could really tell, this guy really did want a different life and he spared him. And he, we believe he's telling that to these criminals, like to the Russian mob to see if they want to turn too. Uh, but they're all dead. <laughs> yeah. I did get that. They were, they were corpses. That was hilarious. Uh-huh. So there's another scene that this, this is where it gets a little bit hard to believe. He burns his house down <laughs> Yeah, and he, he does establish that the, there's some kind of chemical or something where the bodies will be eviscerated like it won't be an issue he walks outside all of the neighbors are watching <laughs> yep yeah this is also where i was no one's it. gonna call the cops what um and then he decides to steal his neighbor's car which was great but again there's so many witnesses there's so many witnesses and also i can help but think like could you imagine how mad you'd be at your dad if if you went if you like left the house oh and he burned it down he burned all your <laughs> stuff down <laughs> yeah that'd be real bad I mean, even just the sentimental items, I'd be like, yeah, I found this at a very specific garage sale with my grandmother when I was like nine. And I'd be mad if my father burned it all down. He, you know, he had to get rid of those bodies, but it's just so funny that there's so many witnesses that just like, oh, it is what it is. He, um, he officially buys the business out from uh, his father-in-law who was being a dick to him before because he'd already made an offer to buy it. And so he officially owns the building. He gets everyone out. Um, oh, and then the guys, the mob comes after grandpa. Oh, I love that scene. <laughs> well, and it's, it's Christopher Lloyd too, who is such a film like legend. So two, they only sent two members of the Russian mob. Well, they, they assume he's an elderly man. Right. Living in a nursing Should home. Should be easy enough. So they send two members. The, the guy at the front desk is sleeping. So they walk right on in and they see that grandpa is watching like a cowboy Western and they pull their guns on him only <laughs> to discover that grandpa is has like a full barrel shotgun under his little them. blanket. <laughs> yeah. So he blasts them and then the the nurse wakes up and is like what's going on? And so he goes to check on grandpa. Grandpa's just still watching westerns and he's like you have to keep that down and leaves. <laughs> but really grandpa uh, has the other monster like bleeding out. Right. On, his, on his lap. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's shot both of them. Um, brutally murdered them. The radio guy helps cleaning up the, the murders. And then we see Bob is starting to booby trap his new his new warehouse and like building little traps with, with a mouse trap. And I'm like, oh, he's doing like a home alone. Yeah, all I could think of was that the nails and like shaved metal bits. I was like, that would be so painful. Yes. I just oh all of this would be real bad. <laughs> I could I, that's all I could focus on was how so he built like little bombs full of nails and little bits. Yeah, like that would get into your skin and not come out. Yeah, yeah, you would die. I still have lead in my leg from the time that my deskmate in fourth grade. She was writing and her pencil slipped and jammed into my leg and then it broke off. Oh my god! 
Yeah. And you never, you didn't get it out? No, it grew around there. And then every time I would try, I could never quite get close enough. And I was like, ugh. So I'm probably going to die of lead poisoning. <laughs> I think you're okay at this point. I think it's, I think you've uh, escaped the window of, uh, of danger there. Might account for a lot of other things though, right? No. <laughs> no, Ren. <laughs> no, I mean like why I'm so, so quirky. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, these booby traps, I really, I would love to see the Home Alone kid and Bob go up against each other. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but then we get another great set piece. Like there's, this film's full of so many great, like big action set pieces, but the next one comes up and it's, it's just Bob on his own <laughs> against the Russian mob. And he breaks in there and he just starts killing this one and that one and this one and that one. And he breaks in and he gets to the money and it burns, he burns all of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the scene was great. He did not take any money. He was making a very clear point. But again, I was like, he's not just... So he's burning the money of Yulian, or burning the money that Yulian is watching over. Yeah, the Russian mob's money. Right. But now it's not going to be just Yulian who is... Right, it's all the Russian mob. The world of the Russian mob is going to be on his back. Yeah. So I did question that choice. <laughs> well, it's raising the stakes again. He's escalated things. Yeah, but because he has a family, it just, I guess, yeah, you'd say the stakes are raised more. It just feels very, it feels really irresponsible of him to keep poking at the hornet's nest. He's declaring war, which means they're not going to, like, I, I, I totally understand how it seems like he thinks he can finish it. I yeah. I'm on board with that. I think my, in my brain, my brain just doesn't work like that. My brain just thinks, okay, but if you take away the Russian mob's money, then you've got the global Russian mob. Yeah, I, I, and I agree, and that's going to be like a sequel. Right, right. I mean, action movies aren't really about responsibility. No. Anyway, so. Yeah, he burns all the money, and then there's another great moment where we see um, our villain is singing and performing, and there's a reverse shot, and we see Bob's just eating dinner. Just right in the middle of the dinner theater, just sitting there eating his dinner, watching. Uh, but he also has a bomb with him. Basically, Yulian is like everybody get out. <laughs> right, but that's when he gives Yulian a choice. This is a tactic or slash technique that I use in copywriting. Oh, how so? Well, so basically, at the usually it's like at the end of the sales pro process, you will ask your prospect or lead. You'll basically say you have two choices. You can keep on doing the thing that is causing you pain, or you can do something that actually feels like it will feel good. Now, in copywriting, we're not saying like, I mean, it, it swapped in this movie because Bob wants him to choose the wrong thing. I think you would let him go if he didn't choose the wrong thing. Yeah, I think I think you would too. I don't think you would hunt him down, but I think he. I think in his in his like nasty little heart, like he's you know he's, he's hoping. Yeah, absolutely. He's, I mean, he sits in the car and he crosses his fingers and says, "Please, please, 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 please." please. And then it's like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Julian like pours, it's like two, five seconds. And then the entire Russian mob pours out of this nightclub. He like takes them on a little trail of crumbs. Like he leads them to his warehouse, which he has all outfitted with booby traps. Um, and we meet the guy from the radio, his friend. Yes. Who apparently is real and in the flesh. <laughs> he shows up with grandpa. Yeah. And they're both armed to the teeth. Yep. And uh, they lure all these men inside the warehouse. Oh. And then take them out. Yeah. Another amazing sequence. Yeah, it was really beautifully... I mean, it was, again, it was like a lot of violence, but it was really beautifully choreographed. Yeah, it was amazing. Right, because they're so prepared, but they also get very, very hurt. Yes. Um, his friend gets shot. 
Um, oh, and I forgot to mention he steals a painting from the Russian mob. Oh yeah, I mean a beautiful a painting. Beautiful painting, Monet or Monet. Yeah, it was I stunning. Would, I would have stolen that too. Grandpa survives. Friend survives. I was thrilled. I was worried that Grandpa might eat it. Yeah, it was too. Oh, and there's a shot that I think is actually very parallel to John Wick when he pulls up in his car to the warehouse. Mm-hmm. I thought it looked exactly like that scene that opens John Wick where he's he's injured and he pulls up to a warehouse. Oh yeah, in his car and he stumbles out of it, but this time he's not stumbling out. Bob wasn't. Yeah, I think it looks almost identical. That just that shot. Mm-hmm. That's when uh, he discovers the kitten in the ceiling, which is which is teased at before because there was some kind of animal in the ceiling. Yeah, and there was a kitten at the very beginning of the movie too. Well, that that was the then scene. Right, right. Yeah, I was happy to see that the kitten made it. I was feeding feeding it tuna. Yeah, so now we're back to the in media res scene that we had started with, where the cops have grabbed him, and he's in an interrogation room feeding this little kitten tuna, and um, beaten to like a bloody pulp. Yeah, with his painting though. I'm surprised they didn't take that from him. I I guess it's just like initial like they didn't take anything from him. Right. <laughs> Um, cause he had the can opener too. Now we see both of these, uh, cops getting a phone call at the same time. <laughs> I love that moment. That was a great, yeah. another efficient moment where they don't need to say it. They don't need to do anything else. They just get a phone call and they look at him and then the next scene he's out. <laughs> yeah. That's where I think the movie really shined is in showing us. instead of telling. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. Those scenes are so expedient. I thought it was really effective. Okay. And then finally, there's like an ending scene where they're shopping for a new house. And I really enjoyed this scene because it clearly, it did set us up for a sequel, mm-hmm. but it didn't do it in a way that I usually hate, which is like the rest of the movie just kind of limps along. And then the, right. and then it's like, and now we're together. It, like the movie closed. It makes sense that this is an epilogue mm-hmm. and it's a sequel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it doesn't um doesn't build into a sequel at the expense of closure for this film or yeah. the expense of the great ending. But it does give us closure in that like he and his wife are now happy. They're yeah, alive. that they're that they're like that he got his family back a little bit. Yeah, and he's looking for a house with a good basement. <laughs> and the realtor gets a call and is like, "Oh, hey, Bob, it's for you." That was great, and he takes it. That was really good, and he's back in the nobody game. <laughs> Yeah, it was really fun. Um, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the movie. I didn't love it. For all the moments that I was like, oh, this was really fun. There were just too many issues where I got confused or like that I got too stuck up on. <laughs> yeah. The, the the things that you snagged on, I didn't snag on as much. Um, I, I agree. There's moments where it could have been a little bit tighter, a little stronger. But overall, I really loved it. I thought it felt like an updated John Wick. Um, and I think Bob Odenkirk is like a really great surprise of an action star. Yeah, I really like. He's a comedian. Uh, yeah, he was great. I mean, he was really fun to watch. Yeah, but yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like fun and and like we kept saying, you know, it told the story in really expedient ways that um, that didn't waste any of our time or intelligence. And I really enjoyed the commentary about masculinity at the yes. beginning too. It's usually very like, this is how you're a man or you're like, if there are women, you're a tough lady. Yeah. You know, and that's, those are basically the two options. Well, it's a good way to, it's a moment to think about contrasting it with John Wick because John Wick is not, I would say is not an examination of masculinity. No, it's not at all. It's just taken for granted that of course, when threatened, John Wick will become a very violent man. Right. And in this film, it's when threatened, this man who's our hero 
will act with restraint at first until he gets into a situation where he must and then decides to act with violence, mm-hmm. which I think is much more interesting. Yeah, I might need a few days to think about it. I mean, I think it's also different because John Wick has literally no one, whereas Bob has his family. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's a nice commentary. Out of five trash can fires, how many trash can fires would you get this movie? So I'd give it a three because there were a lot of moments I really liked. And as we just discussed, I thought it brought a lot of new things to the genre. But I'm still really swayed by certain moments that I experienced watching the movie, which was that the middle got a little caught up for me. What about you? I'm going to get five. Oh, wow. I really loved it. I thought this was a really strong movie. I thought parts of it were really funny. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought the script was very, very tight. I love Bob Odenkirk as a comedian. I think he's so funny. And I've been watching him like in, in different sketch comedy and like in different comedic roles for years. And so to see him in this action role, but to bring to it um, a more nuanced idea about masculinity, I thought was really exciting and fun. So yeah, for me, it's a five. Nice. Well, that brings us to the end of Nobody. Next movie, if you'd like to watch along or not, that's totally fine too. We're going to be watching the movie version of Hannah. If you want to send us a film idea or compliments, you can send those to ladiesgetaction at gmail.com. Um, if you want to find us on Instagram, you can find us at ladiesgetaction. We're now posting reels, which is very exciting. So check those out. Um, and Rin, where can people find you? People can find me at Rin Olson. That's R-I-N-O-L-S-S-O-N on Instagram. And where can they find you? Um, you can find me, Rebecca Ringley, at Rebecca Ringley Casting on Instagram. We'd love for you to leave us a written five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Until next week, get, get some, some action. action.